It's in the series of little boxes that spoil the vine. It's number three, Undisciplined Tongues. Preached at the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown, Sunday, March 1, 1970. The text, James, the third chapter, the eighth verse. But no human being can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Down in Florida at Marineland for a few dollars, anyone can go and see a great and marvelous thing. Men who have been able to tame and train fish to act almost human. Go to a circus and you can find the wildest of animals trained and tamed so that they can perform all sorts of acrobatic feats. I really think if an individual could watch the Ed Sullivan show long enough, you name it and you can see it trained there. We are people who have been able to do the most miraculous in training and taming even the wildest of God's creatures. Ed Rollins, who is considered to be the world's greatest autograph collector, tells of a farmer out in the Midwest who has discovered a very lucrative business, one other than farming. He gave that up a long time ago after he taught roosters how to roast. And this man, instead of plowing the fields and planting the seed, he's converted his barn into a roller skating rink, and he all day sits at the door and collects 25 cents from every head to see these roosters roller skate. And I'll tell you, he's making more money doing that than he is forever did. Farming. We do marvelous things, marvelous. You can watch your television. You can go to the theater, go to the arena, go to books, and you can find all sorts of animals that have been trained. But go to church. Go to church. And every man can see in himself an animal that no man has ever been successful in completely training. These tongues of ours are so unpredictable, so uncontrollable. The Bible is so right when it says, Here we are, people who are singing praises to God, the Creator of everything. Yet how many of us before the day will be out will be cursing our fellow man who has been made in the image of that same God? We were born to be able to speak loving and kind things. But all the hate that sometimes generates from these little tongues of fire. I don't have to spend too much time, do I? I'm trying to illustrate to you what great vines this little fox has spoiled in your life and in all of our lives. Try what you will, this thing just cannot seem to be tamed, can it? 
I think the reason some of our tongues are untrainable and untamable is simply because many people do not give proper credit to the value of words. There are far too many, you know, who underestimate the importance and the power of words. They have not come to the realization that the words that, of a lullaby that puts a baby to sleep, those same words, when spoken in hatred, can make a grown-up baby arise to violence. They do not seem to realize that words are potentially as explosive as a hydrogen bomb, or they can be as soothing as oil on troubled waters. You know what causes war and fights? Words. But you know what keeps the peace? Words. Words can stir the heart, lift the spirit, and I've seen words harden a man's heart and break his spirit. So you. But some people, you see, just do not realize that one of the most valuable things we create in our own individual lives are words. And we don't think before we speak. We haven't realized the importance and the power, and we underestimate their effect. You know, corner one of those individuals who always has to be the first to, to break the news. Get him aside and, and ask him why he told this thing that is either untrue, unnecessary, or unkind. You know the type of individual, the one who tells everything he knows and really doesn't know very much about what he's telling. And what is his first excuse? I'm sorry. I didn't realize that my little words could cause so much trouble. Some people's tongues are untamed, or not better trained at least, simply because they underestimate and do not realize the power and the importance of words. Some people's tongues are very loose for the simple reason that they do not understand that in God's sight each one of us is personally responsible for every word that we speak, every word. Kind of frightening, isn't it? You know, Jesus had some very stern things to say, and perhaps the sternest things that he had to say concerned careless talk. In the twelfth chapter of Matthew, you know, he said, On the judgment day, every man, every man will give an account for every careless word that he has spoken. By your words, you will be justified, for by your words you will be condemned. Now that's putting it pretty strongly, is it not? It's the word of the Christ, our Lord. And you see, we are individually responsible, each one of us, to God himself for every word that we speak. But you see, some of us don't understand this. And we think we always have a built-in excuse 
for telling some things that are untrue or unnecessary or unkind. We say we're not the originator of the story or the truth. We're merely telling what somebody else first told us. Maybe you think that's an excuse. But believe me, what you say, God doesn't care where you get the information. He's concerned whether or not you say it. His little poem, it's not the best of prose or poetry, but I always liked it. Who is it that says so-and-so is surely on the road to woe that drinking cards will lay him low? They. Who is it always says without remorse that someone's contemplating divorce? Who whispers scandal to, of course? They. Who says that Mr. Nevermind the other evening went out and dined with several, well, you know the kind? They. Who says that old man what's his name is friendly with a certain dame? Who says it's a perfect shade? They. Who is it says the browns and greens are living far beyond their means that soon there'll be some dreadful seas? They. Who is it always says that Jones cannot afford the car he owns? Who says his income's mostly loans? They. Who says that Grumpy beats his wife and leads her such an awful life? Who revels in domestic strife? They, to cut it short, who knows it all, and tells it when we come to call, and who in brief should hire a hall? They. It's a good poem, but I don't recommend you take it to heaven with you on Judgment Day because I don't think the Lord's going to be impressed. The Lord never holds us responsible for what we hear, but he sure holds us responsible for what we speak. And just because some of us do not understand this basic truth of life, that's why some of our tongues are not better controlled. And though it's maybe needless to say, I think it has to be said, some tongues are not tamed simply because their owners are not spiritually converted. They're spiritually unconverted. But our words, are they not nothing more than extensions of our thoughts and are not our thoughts nothing more than a reflection of the condition of our hearts? If that is true, then an individual whose heart is not right with God, his words aren't going to be right with his fellow man either. These mouths, you see, cannot create miracles. And just as none of us expects to go to a vine and fine figs. We don't expect to find grapes from a fig tree. You can't expect to find a good 
tongue from an evil heart. Trees with bad roots don't bear good fruit. If an individual who is not at harmony with God and with himself and with his fellow man and with the world, then you can't expect him to be speaking words of harmony to the world about him. It's just a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, that if it's not right in here, it's not going to be right here on the lips. If an individual who is not if an individual has not yet heard the words of love and of forgiveness of the word of God, if an individual has not accepted Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh, and cast his sin upon him, and has yes been born anew or afresh, or begun all over again. In other words, his heart is reconciled now with the Father. If he hasn't had this, then you can be pretty sure that his lips are going to have a very difficult time from speaking from a heart that is unresolved with guilt, a heart that is full of discord and disharmony, a heart that is suffering, and because it is suffering in guilt, it will utter all sorts of blasphemous and ugly and hideous and horrible things in the world. This we must remember, because in this day when so many words are being spoken by so many different people from so many different camps, by people not only on the outside of the institutions, but by people on the inside who are defending what they think and believe is true, we must remember that oftentimes people are speaking these harsh and horrible things not because they are interested in truth. Not because they just want to see right done. Many times, even though they don't realize it, it's because they are not right in their heart. I am as interested, if not more so, than most other people in trying to see the injustices corrected. And where we have been wrong in our society and in our church, Lord, help us if we don't correct those wrongs. But throughout dialogue and exchange, I find that there are not only people on the outside, but people on the inside who in their expressions, and in their hate, and in their voices, show me but one thing. They're not at peace with God or with themselves, and consequently they cannot be reconciled with their brothers through Christ. I'm sure not all will agree. But I am convinced that some people who say horrible things and don't control their tongues are individuals whose hearts are not controlled by God. Most of us, though, feel that we are converted. We have accepted the Lord as our Savior. We try to live the life that he would have us to live. We do understand and accept the fact that we are personally responsible and are disciples. 
And we do not underestimate the power of words. We know what they can do and what they cannot do. Now, I'm afraid for the most of us, the reason that these things called our tongues, these little flames, are not better controlled is for one reason and one reason only. They're undisciplined. We just don't spend enough time in working on the discipline that we have to have if our tongues are going to be effective instruments. Tongues that help to build and not tear down. Tongues that can construct and not destroy. Tongues that can be beneficial to God. The longer I'm in the ministry and try to talk with people, I am more convinced than ever that the hardest thing an individual has to do in life is not just give his money to the Lord, nor is it just giving of his time or of his abilities. I honestly think the hardest thing an individual has to give to God is his tongue. know many fine people in this church and in this world who have done a fantastic job through prayer and through discipline in staying away from the desires of the flesh and have done an admirable job in not contributing to or adding to the evils of the world, but they've done a lousy job in taming their tongues. I don't think it's true of this church, really I don't, but I have known some churches in some communities that have been nothing more than gossip centers. If you ever wanted to get the wrong information about anything on any subject, oftentimes you can get it from a group of religious people. That's terrible. Sometimes those of us who bear the name of Christ loosely are sometimes the ones that are most guilty in having the undisciplined tongue. You see, just going to church, just reading your Bible, or just saying daily prayers, these, these things may help. But it takes more than that if you're ever going to have your tongue channeled to do good and to speak what is right. I'm sorry, but the only thing that it can the only thing that can accomplish this is strong, dedicated discipline. That's it. You can pray all morning in your prayers that God will give you the ability to say only those things that you feel need to be said. But unless you get up off your knees and go out and discipline yourself accordingly. The Lord and His Holy Spirit isn't going to give you much strength. He can't. Because this is one area where He has given you jurisdiction. There is absolutely no one else who can make you say something that you don't want to say. Even they tell me under the state of hypnosis. You are the one who can control your tongue. God knows it and He expects you to do so. And this requires discipline. Discipline which enables me to think before I speak. 
and to realize that maybe there are other people who know as much about this subject as perhaps I do. We need to be people who ask ourselves in a form of discipline, is what I'm going to say true? Yes. But we need to go further than that. Is what I am going to say necessary? You realize so many of us have absolutely nothing to a discussion or a conversation. Somebody has a great problem on their mind, they want to talk about it, but we're so busy talking that we don't dare listen. Not going to go in on this because we're going to talk it about talk more about it next week. But we need discipline in this area. Discipline which may evolve itself in just helping us to keep our big mouth shut more often. And secondly, I think we need a type of discipline which will rid our language of bad vocabulary, bad language. And when I mention this term, I'm just not talking about profanity or swear words, or vulgarities, or what is commonly called obscenities. No, I don't mean just those words. I mean those weasel words, those loaded terms and slogans, which absol do absolutely nothing to a conversation. They don't enlighten or bring forth any truth. All they do is darken counsel and inflate prejudice. You know those loaded words, words like wop, wasp, nigger, kike, pig. Every one of us needs a good dose in our vocabulary to rid our language of such bad terminology. Because, you see, these words do absolutely no good whatsoever. They don't open discussion, they curve it. All they do is present an idea of an individual before any discussion ever begins. This type of language is not interested in finding the illumination of truth. It puts spotlight only on self. And those of us of the religious community, Please understand me what I'm trying to say because I know it can be misinterpreted. But we of the religious community must be very careful in some of these slogans and phrases which may mean something to us but mean absolutely nothing to the rest of the world. I don't know how many discussions I have been in with people. We've been wrestling with serious problems. We've been trying to come up with a Christian solution and it's hard, and we're pulling out our hair, we're getting a little angry at one another, and then some dear pious soul comes up with, Christ is the answer. The only thing that happens, the discussion ends. I do not get me wrong, Christ is the answer, but not that way. He's the answer when you're willing to dig and have mutual respect and understanding and search his word and pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit and believe in faith that he will guide you. That's the way he's the answer. Not with somebody throwing out a slogan that sounds maybe good, but which means absolutely nothing, and which so often drives people away from Christ. 
instead of introducing Christ to them as the answer to all of life. So let's curb our language and cut out some of the bad language and then discipline ourselves in trying to speak the truth in love. And folks, this is hard. Especially in an age like we are when we are either attacking something that we think is not right or whether we're trying to defend something that we think another is trying to destroy. And I must admit that one of the things which I am afraid of becoming guilty of in this day when being attacked by someone who disagrees that I, with vengeance, will attack in the same way. And that kind of tactic will prove absolutely nothing. And there are a few individuals who I like to tell involved in the revolution who maybe with whom I do not agree. I must admit, I don't enjoy being treated like a second-rate Christian or being looked down upon because I cannot agree with them. And the guy that I'm finding very difficult to accept today is that individual who will not speak to me of my error for my slowness in correcting in love. And I'm trying to keep in mind that if I think I am right, and I hope that the other can be one to the side which I feel God is leading us all in, I will not, with a lack of discipline, speak words out of love lose not only the argument, but lose the man. Some horrible things are going to take place in our life, in our society, and in our church. And many of us are going to want to quit, but we can't. And we're going to be called upon to speak. Some of you have never made a speech or have taken a stand. The day's coming when you're going to get on one side or on the other. My only prayer is that all of us will be able to speak the truth as we see it, but we'll speak it in love. You know, it doesn't cost anything more to say words with kindness than it does to say them without kindness. The only thing that it requires is a little discipline. Folks, let's go out and try to get this little fox that's spoiling so many minds. I know where I can find him. He's in my own backyard. I hope you find yours too. Amen. Lord God, let the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths 
be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.